Today's episode is brought to you by Progressive, where drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average. Quote now at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. National average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Hi, I'm Ryan LaPlante, and I'm one of the crazy founders of Dumb Dumbs and Dice, the production company that's made the video you're watching or the podcast you're listening to right now. Now, we're clearly busy. We're producing four weekly podcasts, Dumb Dumbs and Dragons, Blood and Syrup, Warhammer 40,000, The Valentine Heresy, and Curse, Code, and Crown, as well as four event podcasts with miniseries releases scheduled at random intervals, Dumb Scum and Villainy, The Mythos Mysteries, One Shots, and the bad movie review show, Garbage Town the Movie Podcast. But we want to take this time to invite you to become a part of our company and a part of our Patreon at patreon.com slash dumdumdice. You can get access to our Discord, access to exclusive DM and character chats. You can get the chance to name characters in our shows. You can even become a recurring NPC and hear yourself interacting with our characters each week through the voice of Tom. You can become a patron for as little as $1, and there's great value for you at even that level. So please, join the Dum Dums and Dice family and help us make even more content Content in a way that you are guaranteed to love. That's patreon.com slash dumdumdice. D-U-M-B, D-U-M-B, D-I-C-E. So let's do something dumb together, and thanks for being part of our stories. I am Executron, god of merchandising, and I came into existence because Dum Dums and Dice has its own merchandise. That's a god pot, get it? Dice? Merchandise? Anyways, you can get t-shirts, hoodies, spiral notebooks, clocks, wall art, throw pillows, bags, and even stickers emblazoned with your favorite Dum Dums and Dice characters and their catchphrases. Go to redbubble.com slash people slash Dum Dum Dice. That's D-U-M-B, D-U-M-B, D-I-C-E. One more time for the mortals in the back, redbubble.com slash people slash Dum Dum Dice. Get your merchandise today. Welcome back to Curse, Code, and Crown, a live play Dungeons & Dragons 5th edition podcast featuring a fully original world and campaign. I am the wizard Kronox, observer of time. Curse, Code, and Crown features our regular voiceover artists and improvisers. Laura Elizabeth as the orc countant Eta and Princess Gwendolyn. Tyler Hewitt as Maka Deathcap and Ryan LaPlante as Duncan Kindano alongside our dungeon master, the incredible Tom McGee. So get ready for an adventure including thrills, chills, and hope for a brighter tomorrow. It's time for Curse Code and Crown! Large humanoid figures emerge from the darkness. Uh, wind whipping around them, water flying by as you approach the concrete dome structure uh, in the, uh, the canyon. And as you roll up, you see more of these transport vehicles uh, seemingly parked. Um, and a, uh, a small figure uh, comes running out um, and seems to be jumping up and down in an agitated manner. Um, and you see um, they seem to be uh, just decked out in something rather ornate, which is odd uh, for the space. You can see like a lot of jewelry bouncing around on them as they jump up and down. Um, but then they, uh, they, they lean down um, and hold up a wand of some sort. And with a flick of their wrist, uh, it ignites um, like a flare. Um, and they begin kind of waving waving at you. And then waving towards uh, a space next to some of these other vehicles. Does does Sylvie turn? or <laughs> she, she turns to, to Duncan. Like, Duncan's over her shoulder with a gun. Yeah, so I'm she just says, like... We follow the directions and then see how this goes. Yeah, honestly, I'm pretty excited for a chance to to talk at them about the design of this thing. So, just uh, you you keep that that uh, the gun handy, eh? Uh, I don't I don't know if I trust these guys yet. Yeah, I think I'll go towards the back, and perhaps the three biggest ones of us can go out and have a conversation. Honestly, that sounds great. 
Now, if you'll excuse me, I got some parking to do. She like spins the wheel, and the thing just slowly, gradually shifts um, the way the uh, the figure outside is is guiding you. Um, <clears throat> it um, uh, kind of like starts rolling in, and Sylvia starts swearing, and eventually seems to like find the brake uh, and hits the brake. Um, and outside, uh, you can see this this figure kind of like doing like a, a, a an awkward run to catch up uh, to the vehicle, um, still holding the flare. Um, and, uh, you see them, uh, reach into their, um, their belt, um, and pull out a, what looks to your eye, Duncan, to be kind of, um, uh, a very like squat and I think, um, almost like, um, like Hellboy's pistol, just like a thick, heavy multi-barrel, um, gun. And they just kind of hold it like up, but not raised, if that makes any sense. So, you know, at hand lowered, but close enough that if they had to snap it up, they could. Um, and, um, they're, they're standing there sparking, um, of course to get out, uh, it'll have to be Maka first since he's been wedged in. What do you yep. do? Maka, I think who has basically been kind of like hands and feet kind of in a big X spread out to keep him inside, but his shell is kind of hanging outside. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Totally. Mm-hmm. I think just kind of tucks his legs up and pushes himself out. So he just kind of lands on his feet back still to this stranger but then he'll 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 turn around okay yeah, i think the moment maka is out duncan's you know leaping out to be kind of over his left shoulder trying to leave politely an indication to Edith to maybe take the right to build out the triangle but he's not going to say anything uh Ida, what do you do um i i, I will take up position mainly because okay. i'm like is everyone <laughs> she's kind of thinking like is everyone being like super hostile like this seems okay <laughs> so, <laughs> great um so uh as mock has like wedging his way out um uh you know you, you get into position as you do the person has raised the gun um while still holding up the flare um now that uh, you can see light uh the, a little bit easier um you can see that they're wearing a um uh, almost the equivalent of a gas mask. So big kind of um, round uh, circular um, glass um, eyes, um, a, a breathing apparatus, um, but, you know, small, kind of tight to the face, but breathing apparatus nonetheless. And it's it's very much in like a full head uh, mask um, that seems to be um, almost like locked off at the neck. There seems to be like a, some kind of like tube system that's, that's attached there. Um, uh, they're highly... Um, they're wearing a ton of jewelry, which is super strange. Um, they're wearing kind of like a, um, an open um, a rubberized vest, um, otherwise bare-shouldered, um, bare chest, um, wearing a bunch of um, necklaces. Uh, they're kind of picking up the glint of the, um, the sort of beads that are picking up the clint- glint of the, the flare. Um, and otherwise, they're wearing... Um, like you'd recognize, this is all like they're clearly wearing weatherized gear. Like they're they're definitely used to being out here. Um, the hands are gloved in kind of like uh, heavy work gloves, and the pants are very like utilitarian. Um, they've got sort of cargo pockets, big heavy like you know weatherproof work boots. Um, and as they they raise the gun um, through uh, the mask, you just hear a voice say, "Are you friend or foe?" Hail, friend. We're here in an attempt to be friends. We found this vehicle abandoned in the woods and then drove towards the light. All right. Who who are you? I am Duncan Kindano, first captain of the Dawnbreakers. This is Maka Deathcap, formerly of the Consortium of Blaine, and Eta of the uh, Empire of Numbers. Inside, there's a team from the Apex Institute. How have you survived out here this long? Oh, uh... We and like the figure seems a little bit surprised by the question. Like, was ready for more introductions and just kind <laughs> of uh, looks around a little awkwardly um, and starts to lower the gun. And just says, "Oh, uh, I mean, we, we we built this habitat. We we been out here for a while. Uh, got quite an operation going. Uh, come on, let's. Uh, how many of you are there? Uh, you said you, you said you're just returning the vehicle. What, what, what the hell are you doing down here?" We're down here looking for power for a key. There's someone inside who I can explain that better, probably. I'm going to warn you, kind of rude, a little bit intense, but 
we promise we mean well. Uh, and then he'll just start helping the, the gnomes out to meet this new team. Sure. So um, the guy edges back a little bit, like kind of raises the gun um, a little bit more. But seeing that many people, he looks down at the four barrels and just kind of lowers it. Because like, this definitely yeah. doesn't. He had enough bullets to threaten three people. But yeah. four, more than that. Um, and um, then... Uh, uh, Sylvia kind of comes out, um, goggles down, does the full like jump off thing and, and lands kind of splashily, <laughs> um, uh, sort of uh, cloak whipping up behind her. Uh, and the guy with the mask just says, holy shit, is that Sylvia Tome the science gnome? Um, and Sylvia tries to flick her hair in a dramatic way, but it's like soaked and plastered down the sides of her head. <laughs> yeah. So it just kind of like doesn't move. Uh, and she tries it a couple more times. She says, uh, yeah, that's me. Uh, and around her, you just hear like the the gnomes and goblins being like seal, 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 seal. <laughs> um, and uh, she's like, uh, "That's right, it's me, Sylvia Tome, the science gnome, and my scientific companions. And I've got some thoughts about the design of your weird fuck. Oh, it's for dwarves." Everybody, it's for dwarves. And they all go, oh, and like nod. Hey, sorry, I was going to be a real dick to you about how badly built that is, but it's just not not for us. Cool, this makes a lot more sense. Um, And she kind of nods to you. She's like, good work, Duncan. Solved the mystery. Hey, uh, can we go inside that thing or is it just for show? Uh, And the dwarf um, nods, nods and says, oh, uh, yeah, oh. Oh, man, everyone's going to be so excited. This is is the best. Sylvia told the science gnome. Oh, I hope she says bitch. All right, come on, let's go, let's go. Um, and we'll um, like, she does. Uh, and uh, the dwarf just like, like does like a little full body dance. Like as he's walking, he's just like a little bouncier, a little happier. <coughs> um, he uh, he turns to you, um, Duncan, uh, as as you're kind of moving along. And he says, uh, "Also, look, I really want to thank you for uh, for for bringing our ride back. Um, one of the." Uh, yeah, we tend to secure them pretty safely against the wind, but uh, man, a hell of a gust came through here. Just it, it took off. I, I, I thought that would be the last we'd see of it. So uh, we, we really owe you one. Hey, you're welcome, friend. We're happy to assist however we can. It's impressive, your operation you have set up here. Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, hey, wait, wait till you see the inside. Uh, also, hey, do um, you guys like beer? Uh, and then he boots open the door and um, inside uh, it's, it's again, it, it's like a, a proper habitat. Uh, it's been set up. There's a big um, long table um, that has uh, a bunch of um, like wooden cups uh, that seem to be lined up and knocked over on it. Um, you can hear uh, someone strumming a lute in the corner. It's warm. It's dry. Um, there are a number of, of large um sort of uh, uh seemingly like portholes that that are there but have been filled with this glass that they've got over their eyes uh but you recognize um now that uh, this building has been stone shaped um by the uh, the dwarves inside mm-hmm. and uh as uh, you walk in um you see uh, a dwarf just like pull up her shirt uh, at another dwarf who like laughs and uh throws throws her some beads uh, and he says uh welcome to fortress Mountigrout. Uh, we are, uh, we're an expeditionary force, uh, sent here, uh, on a mission from, uh, from Fortress Mountain Grout. Uh, it's a, it's a little bit of a ways away, but we're always happy to see visitors. Everybody, we got visitors. They don't have any beads. And everyone kind of like laughs. Um, and he says, but one of them, Sylvia Tome, the science gnome. And like a cheer goes up, uh, from the rest of the crowd. Um, and immediately, um, a woman in who is like, literally looks looks like a piece of leather that was like lost long ago outside and somehow dragged itself back in. She is just a fucking proper hardy ancient dwarf, um, like skin, like leather, um, bald head kind of shaved to, to just kind of fuzz, um, face looks like she stopped a tractor with it. Like just real, real hardy, um, and wearing more beads than you could think is possible. Like she is, her outfit is more beads than person at this point. Um, and, uh, she, um, sits up from, um, a console where there's uh, a lot of, uh, different monitoring equipment. Um, you can see that they've basically got a whole little command station set up sort of on the upper, there's uh, sort of an upper ring and then the, the main, main floor. Um, and, uh, she just turns around and says, oh, wow, 
Sylvia Tome, the science gnome here in our little slice of Mardi Gras. Incredible. Um, and she comes like storming down the stairs um, and uh, she says, uh, you're all welcome here. I understand uh, you, you brought back one of our floats. That's uh, it's mighty kind to you. Those things blow away like crazy. My name's Keg Stan Kelly, and I'm oh the uh, the head of this uh, expeditionary force uh, from the Fortress Mardi Gras. No. Uh, you're all no. welcome here. <laughs> um, and with that, you're welcomed uh, into the uh, uh, the DEF, um, the DEF uh, habitat. Um, how do you greet uh, Cake Stan Kelly? I think uh, Ita, Ita puts out her hand first. <laughs> uh, it just says, may I ask, uh, do you by any chance have any dealings with uh, uh, the fine uh, people of Sprong Black? Um, and uh, she kind of rolls her eyes and looks to everyone else. She's like, what, those clowns? <laughs> yeah, you know, we talk to them from time to time, but um, never been too impressed with the way they do things down, down there. I mean, look, we, we like to party. Don't get me wrong. But we also get shit done up here. Uh, so, uh, yeah, I mean, you know, we got some cousins around. But, I mean, Marty Grout, I mean, that's the party you want to be at. Not Sprongbrick. It always feels like a pale imitation of our work anyway. Besides, Fortress Mardi Gras has been around a lot longer. And there's like some weird like dwarven snickering and like snarky comments about how long their fortress has existed. But uh, they say, well, why? Uh, you, you, you guys familiar with there? You, uh, have you been to Sprongbrek? Yes. Indeed we have. I'm so sorry. <laughs> it was an experience, but undoubtedly it pales to the grand visitation that we would have were we to visit Fortress Mardi Gras. I am Duncan Kindano, first captain of the Dawnbreakers. This is Maka Deathcap, formerly of the Consortium of Bleen. And this is Eta of the Empire of Numbers. We are traversing this island alongside Sylvia Tome, the science gnome. And Holy we're here shit. to seek your assistance if you can but help us uh i mean yeah we we, we can probably help you out uh that's I, i'm honored uh wow sylvia tome the science gnome sylvia's like yes yes keg stan kelly uh, of course fortress uh mardi gras uh you know we, we've heard such great things uh back at, at the, the institute uh your stone shapers are really quite something else uh you've managed to merge technology with stone shaping right she kind of like points to the gear that's been built into these consoles and um uh cake stand kelly like nods and says hey uh yeah actually i believe uh some of your uh apex folks helped us get that sorted out but yeah now that we have we've got pretty good analytics uh was that your signal and like they immediately start like science talking to each other um but um uh, after a moment, she nods and says, all right, all right, all right, we should talk about this over a beer pong. Uh, and she turns back to the rest of you and says, uh, so uh, Duncan Kindano, uh, you guys are looking for a power source. We can probably help you that. We got more power here than uh, we know what to do with, honestly. Uh, well, admittedly, most of this is uh, bound for the uh, for the fortress. Uh, we're uh, one of the main suppliers of power to uh, Fortress Mardi Grout. Um, but... Uh, you know, I'm sure we can we could probably spare some. Just uh, depends on the nature of your request. But before we get to that, I gotta ask: Did you come for all of your Dano shit, or can we still use that? I am here to learn about the Dano shade, as you're referring to it. Um, oh, I am somehow peripherally related to this, but I lack information about my family's past. Oh, yeah, lots of us here have that problem, too. Yeah, okay, cool. Well, I don't have any answers for you, but I got some Dano stuff. Honestly, we're using some of it, but you could take it, I guess, if you need it. Well, let's review what it is. I wouldn't want to take anything that's central to your operation. You seem like good people doing good work. Um, and she kind of nods and, and kind of waves some some dwarves over. Um, you do get the sense that uh, even though this is uh, these guys clearly uh, do party uh, similar to the folks at Sprongbrek, um, you're seeing a lot more age variance here. Um, it's clearly uh, the 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 gradual petrification that was kind of um, forced on uh, Sprongbrek by the demon clearly isn't true here. And based on what she said. Um, it's clear that uh, Marty Grout is uh, powered differently. They're not running off demons, 
which is good. That's good news generally for all involved. Uh, you're not quite sure what that means, but um, it's it's clear that they're running some kind of operation here for that. Um, Duncan, you're shown to um, like you can actually see like looking around. There are like large tarps with like uh, you know House of Dano um, and sort of the laurels around them and stuff. They're mostly just using them as like one's clearly a shower curtain. Some of the blankets are are Dano branded. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's there's unfortunately like nothing here that's like tremendously revealing they just yeah. have a they've clearly like scavenged a bunch of the shit which kind of makes sense given that here everything gets wind blasted up against the canyon walls so it's kind of easy to just go and like cherry pick what you want but um they're they're like offering you blankets and stuff they're just like hey if this is yours you can just take it no no you hang on to that that's fine we've already got the equipment we need yeah he'd only be interested in anything that's going to like tell him a story or anything that looks I guess historically or magically significant, if that makes sense. Yeah, this all looks very mundane in kind of an alarming way, like uh, cheap and mundane. Um, the only real thing of interest is that again, there you're seeing the same variations on the Dano name. Um, and uh, can you roll me uh, a history check, please? Mm-hmm. That is a nine. Nine? Um, yeah, you're seeing logos. They don't mean much to you, <laughs> but they're related to the House of Dano somehow. So are you. My God, the revelations. Dum Dums and Dice would like to invite you to check out their flagship podcast, Dum Dums and Dragons. It's a show where improvisers who've never roleplayed before journey into the world of Dungeons and Dragons. It features Laura Elizabeth as the wizard Alan, Tyler Hewitt as the thief Quinny, and Ryan LaPlante as a cleric named Butthole. Through their first season, these heroes experience the minds of Fandelver, but starting in season two, they step into a world of fully original adventures from the mind of DM Tom McGee. Follow them from the beginning of their quest through five more seasons and beyond. Check it out now. Dom, Doms and Dragons. Yeah, <laughs> uh, I think I think he's just he'll. It's, it almost ends up being a polite tour of their facility more so than seeing anything sure. he wants to take. Yep. So he's not going to take shit unless <clears throat> they've got something along the lines of like a handkerchief or a hand towels with the different logos. If you could get one sample of each of the different images, just so he can get sure, kind of yeah, things, yeah, but he'd yeah. want a small one. He wouldn't take anything they're using. Cool. I mean, one, one of the, the dwarves offers to just like sketch you out the different, perfect. He'll take uh, that, the that. different things uh, that they've seen. Um, honestly, uh, she seems pretty jazzed about it. it. It's not very often that she gets to draw stuff. So she's just like, yeah, I'll do that. That's great. Um, so she sets about doing that. Um, Ita and uh, Maka, is there anything you'd be doing? Uh, I, I think Ida just has a general curiosity about about the the technology. So sure. I, it's it's I think she'll be <laughs> I don't know I, I doing her her own side investigation. Nope, that makes sense. Because <laughs> um, she's and- also like <laughs> having dealt with the people of Sprongbrack and seeing, although they say they're not similar. She's seeing a lot of similarities. She's just like, sure. I maybe get more information just checking this stuff out myself. <laughs> I think it would also be safe to say that, um, uh, I guess I'll give you the option. You can attempt sure. your own investigation or um, uh, Sylvia and uh, Cake Stan Kelly are legitimately having like a conversation about this, but it's it's an indirect conversation. It's like right. they're playing beer pong. And drinking and laughing and like talking about other things, but the conversation keeps drifting into, like, again, it's it's literally a meeting of the minds. It's like two highly scientifically minded people, just like, well, I mean, more one more being an engineer and one being a scientist, yeah. but literally just being like, oh yeah, no, that is funny. Uh, yeah, no, I'll flash it for some beads. That's fine. Oh, hey, so here's a curiosity though. How the fuck did you? Is this this whole thing stone shaped? But like, you rigged it up with with electricity and and um, uh, you know, Cake Stan Kelly being like, all right. Oh, there you go. Here's your beads. Great. Fantastic. Yeah, no, uh, we, you know, we real once we realized how you guys rig up lights and things, we just decided that we could stone shape around it. And like, it was actually very easy. And really, it's good because it means our equipment doesn't get wet at all with all the storms. And like, there's, again, like tidbits, but it would be an incredibly infuriating conversation for you to have to put up with. Yeah. Do you listen to that or do you try and do your own investigation? Um, She'll listen to it. 
as long as there is something she's learning from it. I mean, there is, but it is it is few and far between. So, you know, you, you set, settle down uh, to watch two brilliant minds get kind of drunk, flash each other for beads, and talk about scientific marvels the likes of which this world has never seen. I um, sorry? Said I ship it. <laughs> I hope those two kids get together and make each other very happy. I mean, is the world ready for what they would create, though? That's the real question. Crazy gals. Um, Laura, can you rule me a... Constitution save? I was thinking intelligence. Uh, oh, yeah. Yeah. Where it's just like, how can you endure? Because uh, I feel like this is... Uh, I've just been watching a lot of like YouTube videos on how to fix various things. And like a lot of, a lot of them are tech-based. So they start with like a five-minute like, hello, my name is Fixum Steve. And I'll be doing this video if you like. And I'm like, I don't care. Just tell me how to fix my monitor, you piece of shit. <laughs> so it's that. It's that frustration of just yeah. like, you know oh, this man. is useful. You know it'll get there. It's Looking up a recipe online, that kind of shit. When my dog died yeah. five years ago, I was inconsolable. But I wanted fettuccine. <laughs> yeah. His name was Fettuccini. <laughs> There's like one ingredient spread out like oh every my, five yes, paragraphs. Yes, it's yeah. exactly that. It's literally like <laughs> you know the instructions and ingredients are there, but you have to read so much dead dog story to get there. Um, all right, so go ahead and roll roll your save. Okay. Uh, 16. 16, all right. Uh, I think because you are so in awe of Sylvia Tome the Science Gnome, you put up with this. Yeah. Um, and also admittedly like – Casey and Kelly's work is fascinating. Like this is a whole realm that you kind of know very little about, but the idea of um, mixing magic with technology is like an interesting space. Also, I think like part of it is just, it's a joy to, to listen to Sylvia talk about anything, um, but also you're still on the lookout for like information about Apex and yeah. you're getting tidbits. So with the 16, um, what you learn, Ita, is that um, the uh, the DEF, uh, the Dwarven Expeditionary Force, uh, um, hmm. set out from uh, Fortress Mardegraut uh, some time ago, uh, years ago, um, after uh, the anomaly had occurred. So by the time the valley was already a disaster. Um, but essentially, um, they established this wind farm here and are using the storms uh, to power massive, massive batteries uh, that they're shipping to mm. and from. Uh, Fortress Mardi Gras, uh, oh, which in turn uh, the dwarves there are using um, in their in their artificing. Um, Mardi Gras doesn't build um, weapons um, mm -hmm. and armor. Uh, it, it dabbles in it, but um, their uh, main industry is in um, essentially like industrial building goods. So the kinds of things mm -hmm. that like the metals and the materials that Apex would need um, to to kind of build their stuff. Right. Um, as well as various other things, um, after you would know this, after the war with the Necrotis, like there was enough widespread devastation, uh, like it, it it was pretty much like a Walking Dead level disaster, mm. uh, or I guess um, Last of Us is probably the better analogy. Where like mm -hmm. a lot of shit was really badly broken, so there was a huge boom in building um, as people started to recover. Um, the need for um, rebuilding and, and restructuring was was very high. Um, and it's part of the, the the turn you've seen in a lot of societies where they the major kind of cultural and societal shifts you saw, similar to like after World War II, where like a lot of societies were like, I guess we're this now. Um, there are some big shifts. So this this all makes sense to you. Mm. Um, but yes, so basically they um they weather the storm in this this habitat. Um it's you can think of it almost like an oil rig where um DEF forces come and go. Um Cakes Dan Kelly's been here forever she's like the the director yeah. of, of operations here um but otherwise uh the crews are on on temporary uh temporary kind of like six month rotations okay uh, in and out um sylvia let's roll for her oh yeah she got a 22 mm -hmm. um sylvia is fascinated by that but also of course by the batteries um uh, apex uh is known for melding magic and technology so the idea of just like purely wind-powered generator, wind-powered energy is like a fascinating concept mm -hmm. to her. It's something that they've dabbled in, but it's not by any stretch like the main power source that Apex would look at. So she's curious about that, um, but also you can tell knowing what she's actually after that she's very actively trying to determine if this is drawing power out of the observatory. Um, and more importantly, if there's a way to fix uh, mm. the uh, the key, she hasn't brought up the key yet. 
Um, you can yeah. tell she's doing crowd work and trying to see how much she can trust uh, Cake Stan Kelly. Right now, it's a lot of like, tell me about your facility because it's super cool. Also, I'm a celebrity. So if I ask you questions, you'll feel like I you owe me something. Mm-hmm. Um, but so far, she hasn't gotten any clear responses. In fact, uh, there's been no mention of the observatory at all. Um, so that's what you get with your good role. Maka, what are you doing? Nice. I think Maka would approach the uh, the watch or, or guard who yep. initially met us. Um, and would just gesture to his weapon uh, and say, um, what is it you are protecting yourselves from out here? It is a difficult place to reach. Um, and um, he, he like pulls off the mask and like his big like golden blonde beard springs out um, sort of in a curly hilarious fashion. Um, and um he uh, he just kind of looks to the the, the blunderbuss and kind of like stuffs it back in his um, back in his belt and says, uh, "Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, you probably encountered some of these these uh, these creatures while you're out and about, but um, something wrong with uh, the storms here. Uh, they 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 they're alive. <laughs> I know that sounds crazy, but I mean, you you've been out uh, there. Have you seen that? So the bolts they come here too. Yes." Um, and, uh, he kind of gives you, gives you a look and he says, uh, oh, you're, you're talking about the, the, the living lightning. No, no, we, uh, we're far enough away that we're okay. Uh, the wind is the problem here. Um, there are a number of, uh, elemental creatures in the, uh, particularly in the, uh, the vortexes that, uh, that touch down around here, um, are luckily, I mean, we, we solved the problem mostly, but every so often one of them gets free, but, um, he uh, he kind of waves you over to one of the portholes in the wall, and he, he points out, and you can see that there are um, massive turbines. So there's like the, the the tall kind of wind farm, like think very much like a modern wind farm style um, uh, windmills, um, but they're also massive uh, 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 turbines built into the ground, um, sort of shaped up out of the stone itself. Um, and he says. Uh, See those those turbines there? They uh, they draw uh, in the uh, the vortex. You may have seen some of the uh, the funnel clouds touching down. Those things are like lightning rods. They uh, they they manage to pull uh, all of that elemental energy towards them. Uh, and generally speaking, as long as those things keep keep running, um, we get very very few uh, of the uh, uh, we call them uh, whispers. Uh, but um, sometimes one gets thrown free, and then uh, it's time for uh, the old uh, one, two, three, four, reload desperately, try not to die, possibly five, six, seven, eight, you know? Mm. Your people here have harnessed the elemental energy of the valley, yes? Yeah, 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 that's what we're doing. Uh, we send the batteries back home, they use them to make all sorts of stuff. Mm. You need, a, you need, a, you need a, a, a house, you need some walls, you need a good roof, we're your dwarves. I have some experience in this. There was a society that also sought to contain and commodify a naturally occurring event. Oh, yeah. Hmm. Have caution in this. Um, he nods and he says, uh, and he leans, like the, the joviality drops a little bit. And he says, uh, yeah, look, I'll I'll level with you because you you seem to to kind of know what's up. Um, we know this is this is dangerous stuff uh, we're working with. Um, a lot of the uh, the DEF that comes out here, ah, they just think it's fun. You know, it's an exciting post. It's a huge honor. Uh, but uh, me, I living storms. That 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 ain't right. You know, that shouldn't that shouldn't be. Um. But uh, we don't uh, we don't harness the elementals themselves. Uh, that's uh, I know, and he kind of like looks left and right, and he says, uh, "I know uh, there's there's rumors that uh, that some of the other fortresses have have dabbled in that." And uh, no, that's not what we do. We're just using the actual winds from the storms themselves. Uh, the the winds blow, and he points to the windmills. He's like, "Winds blow those guys. Those uh, those guys spin. Uh, the more they spin, the more energy they produce. Energy goes to the batteries. We take the batteries, but." 
uh, the turbines, and he points to the big defensive turbines. He's like, those are just to, they, they don't even pull anything in. They just pull things off course. We just need to keep them away from the batteries and from us. So they just divert course. You think about it this way. It's, it's like, uh, you know, it's like we put a rock in the middle of a stream, right? It just diverts the stream a little bit, but the stream still flows. The elementals, they, they can go back up to the clouds. They can still zip around, do whatever the fuck they're going to do, but they just don't do it to us, you know? Hmm. I mean, they do occasionally blow our floats away. Uh, so thank you again uh, for saving that one. The Jester is my favorite, and uh, a Mounty Grout victory parade is nothing uh, without its floats. So um, I really appreciate that you brought that one back. You hold parades in a place like this. Oh, no, 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 not here. When we go home, uh, this is just a, an outpost of Mounty Grout. Mounty Grout is underground. Um, well, I mean, you went to Sprongbrek, kind of like that. But when we come home with the batteries, it's a huge honor. It's a huge... It's a huge celebration. This this is hard work, but it's it's worthwhile work. So we throw a huge parade. It's amazing. It's brass bands, some of the best food you'll ever have, great drinks. Everyone has a great time. Mm. I hope for your sake that your superiors know full well what they are attempting to control here. A stone uh, in the river followed by another and another can greatly divert the flow or dam the water and cause a flood. Um, he kind of nods uh, somberly and he says, uh, you're not wrong. And he, uh, no, I am not. <laughs> um, Duncan, what are you doing? Uh, Duncan would accept his, his images and then... Honestly, I think this is just make nice. He doesn't really, he would never discuss what they want because looking at this operation, there's a chance disrupting the storm by engaging with the observatory will fuck up this like weird power collection thing. Because if the observatory shuts down the storms, logically it would shut down this power source. But on the scale of things, that's not his problem. His problem is a Sinkai invasion and fixing Jossie, because those are his two primary oaths yeah. that he's sworn. So for him, this is just make nice, make polite, wait till you can get the power in the key, and then get out while staying friends. You know, no damage to a Dawnbreaker's reputation. Just be nice. Okay. Uh, he also, if anybody plays dice, he does like playing dice, and he has a Dwarven Stone dice set that he plays with. So... He might do some gambling. There's um when you bring them out, there's a couple of like uh a couple of the younger dwarves kind of like roll their eyes and there's a bit of like a whatever grandpa kind of uh, mentality as they go to spin um what basically looks like the fantasy equivalent of Beyblades. Um, but um uh some of the older dwarves, um I, one of them is just like this guy's got stones. He's got stones. Uh, and there's like a collective cheer. Um, and they're like, honestly, uh <laughs> We're uh, we're stuck here for you know six months at a time. We get very tired of playing against each other. Uh, you you want to throw some dice? Yeah, let's do this, friends. Uh, great. So um, yeah, uh, they go and um, set up a uh, like bring you over to to a corner where dice are clearly thrown. Um, <clears throat> what uh, what stakes do you want to play for, if any? Um. If they play for beads, he would probably do some flashing along the way to try to get himself some currency to be able to play with. And then he'd play with beads. This isn't a high stakes game. He also doesn't really have money. Like, that's not okay. something yeah, yeah, yeah. he can play for. That's fair. The first time you flash a dwarf, um, like, there is such joy from the room um, because, like, outsiders just immediately embracing the spirit of Mounty Grout. Um, really, it, it makes them nostalgic for home, but also like they, they think it's a blast. Also, like they, they've all collectively seen each other's stuff so much at this point that it's it's not it's even fun stuff. anymore. Now, yeah. what kind of flashing are you doing? <laughs> I think it's it depends on what he's seeing in the crowd. Uh, like probably a lot of like ab chest work. Feels yeah, everyone's just doing tops. Uh, you can see all from right. their pants, like everyone's wearing flashy vests. But, like, everyone is wearing these heavy, heavy work pants. So, like, there's a mix of fun and work going on here where everyone <laughs> okay. is clearly like, hey, check out what I got. But not like, hey, look, it's my junk. Oh, no. Oh, no. <laughs> Storm monsters. I just like, I wanted there. I wanted some yeah, clarity clear on mental that image. Yeah, no, he's, I understand. he's not volunteering dong out if nobody else is doing it. He's going to he's going to play no, the shirt. That, that's for proper celebratory. Uh, that's uh, for the parades. You know, Mardi Gras parades. <laughs> yeah. 
in the areas where people are comfortable with that. Like there's exactly. zones. It's honestly, they, they do it upright. Mardi Gras is a good fortress. Um, but um, yeah, great. So you grab you grab some beads. Uh, so you get some necklaces and uh, you go to the corner to, to play for necklaces. Uh, so we'll do this, I believe, as we did last time. Uh, 2d6, um, add them together. Great. Uh, I have proficiency. I don't know if that changes anything. So roll three and pick the best two. Great. All right, let's go. I got five. I got four. So you, you came first right round uh, goes to uh, Vance, uh, your opponent. Uh, right, and, and Duncan would be very good natured about this. This is more about playing yeah. to make friends than it is playing to like get all their fucking beads. <laughs> totally, totally. Um, yeah. So uh, let's go for the next one. God. Ooh, that's a nine. I got five. I'm just eating right. shit on these dice. Best of five. So you got one more chance. All right, let's do it. Got ten. Eight. Just just got right. cleaned the fuck out. So yeah, works. Vance, uh Vance takes your beads. Uh again, he's good natured about it. You get the sense that like there's nothing to buy here. <laughs> like, yeah. Like it's it's an expedition. Like they just don't have anything. So and also I think Duncan from watching this, like you you understand from you know being in the, the Dawnbreakers, like the beads are clearly a way of, of letting everyone have like currency without actually having anything to buy. Like it's an easy thing to just pass around. No one really cares. It's, it's very harmless. So um, yeah, uh, he wins, he wins your beads. Um, and uh, you know, he smiles and he claps you on the back and he says, uh, your, uh, your technique of throwing three dice and still losing is fascinating to me. Uh, you gotta, I'd love to hear, is that a local custom? Where are you from friend? Well, I'm from Orville, the floating city originally. Oh yeah, yeah, we, we've we've heard about this. so so wait, that that makes you a human, right? Correct. Interesting. Wow, we've uh, we've never we, we, and like they all kind of look around and they're doing that awkward like we don't quite know your customs thing and they're like we've never uh, met met a human before. It's real nice to meet you. Well, it's nice to meet you too. This is only my second time meeting dwarves. Oh hey, but you got those dwarven thrusters. Did you get those from uh, those assholes over at Sprongbreck? Actually, these are passed down from the time before Orville. I inherited Oh, these. no way. Wow. Ancient broken dice. That's that's awesome, man. That's really cool. Yeah, they're old and bad. It's a gift, yeah. he says sarcastically as he like they lean in the like, away. So's cake stand Kelly. <laughs> oh. Um, but uh yeah, they uh they make idle chatter with you. And Duncan, honestly, it's it's taken a while, but you get that experience of meeting dwarves that you always imagined you would get. Uh, I'm going to give you one point of inspiration uh, for finally meeting the characters of, of myth that you, you hope to like, this is literally this kind of like friendly exchange of ideas and customs is everything you hoped for when you read and learned the language and did all this stuff. And it's just so nice to actually get that. Yeah. It's, it's the first positive intercultural exchange Duncan yep. has been able to participate in. Um, Meanwhile, um, Ita, um, so uh, things seem to be wrapping up. Um, you can tell Sylvia is a little little touchy because she hasn't gotten many answers. Um, yeah. But uh, obviously she's heard about the power generation. Um, she's made an offer to kind of like uh, take a look at their stuff and see if there's any improvements she can make. You get the sense she's building up to the, also I'm going to need something to power my key question, mm. um, but uh, has tactfully chosen not to. Um, so it sounds like things are kind of wrapping up for the night. Uh, it's been a long day. Uh, you guys have had a tremendously long day. Um, the, the stars team, the, the rest of the squad has come and joined, uh, from the Ridge. Um, the stars team has had a long day, uh, after the fight earlier, like none of you've had a chance to sleep. Um, so yeah, everyone's looking to, to kind of like tuck in for the night. Um, and then, uh, I mean, I imagine for the three of you, you would assume that you're going to make for the observatory in the morning. You don't really have too, too much time to waste. Yeah, um, but yeah. you're also all pretty fucking beat. Um, is there anything you'd want to do before you tuck in for the night? I think for a moment, Ida toys with literally just blurting out to someone like, why is no one talking about the observatory? Mm. But I think she she may have finally learned something, some tactical knowledge in that she kind of stops herself just in time thinking, well, if they don't want us there, then we're just giving them to time to like prepare <laughs> to stop us. So right. she decides not to. And I think a moment of growth. Yeah. 
I like that. Fair enough. Uh, I'm going to give you one point of inspiration for not putting your foot in your mouth. Aww. Um, so nice. <laughs> Maka or Duncan. I will say um, you're given uh, uh, the uh, the guard, um, uh, Maka, that you um, uh, made friends with, uh, whose name is uh, Ed. Um Ed gives you the the standard rundown on kind of safety procedures. Um, he's like, uh, "Listen, I know uh, I know it's not too comfortable, but um, honestly, I think you'll understand this, uh, uh, Mister Maka, uh, based on the conversation we had. Uh, we always got to be ready for things to kind of go bad here, so we'd recommend you you keep your gear. Also, I know you're sleeping in an unfamiliar place can be uncomfortable. Uh, you don't know us all that well. Um, we all sleep in our gear." Uh, so that we're ready to go at a moment's notice. Uh, we've got some really good cleaning powders. So, like, if you start to stink or whatever, we just have some of those. You can just rub them down. Doesn't fully work, but it works enough. Uh, you know, enough-ish. Um, also, I'm sorry about the smell. Uh, we've all gotten used to it. It's probably not great for you. It's not the worst, but also not the best. Um, like, so, anyway, all that to say, if you want to sleep with your weapons and your gear, fully understand, we'd actually recommend it. We haven't had a problem here in a long time, but... You know, and he kind of nods to Duncan, or sorry, to uh, Maka and just says, uh, but, you know, floods can happen at any time. Am I right? Yes. Thank you, Ed. I will sleep with my belongings, ready to wake to a battle if I must. Oh, yeah, cool. I mean, and he points to a board that's like days since an incident, and it's like a very large number. And he's like, again, not a present concern, but I'm, I'm glad to hear you say that. Um, and he kind of looks at you, Duncan, and I think he, he doesn't even really ask because he just like looks you up and down and is like, this is a man who sleeps with a sword. Like, yeah, there's no yeah. real question of that to him. Um, but uh, yeah, is there anything um, the two of you would want to do before you tuck in? Uh, Duncan would take advantage of the cleaning powder because that just sounds nice as a break mm-hmm. from being constantly uh, filthy from the wilderness. Absolutely. Other than that, just the the general, I think, conversations that he's had, he just kind of keep sure. building yeah, those just, relationships, just trade stories of their lives, all that kind of stuff, because he's curious, not for a tactical reason, but just because he's the guy who's always wanted to have this exchange. So when he can, why would he stop? For sure. You have, uh, you have, what's your dwarven skill? Uh, I can speak dwarven but a historical dialect right okay established um i'm gonna update that to you can now speak um rough modern dwarven um they they unlike the guys at sprongbrek they actually just take the time to explain like how the language evolved um you certainly heard both versions in sprongbrek but no Mm -hmm. one took the time to like talk you through it so uh you can think of it as like if you learned Parisian French, you can now speak like halting franglais, where it's like half Quebecois French, half Parisian French, and half English, uh, three whole halves. Um, so it's it's not you, you won't sound uh, great, but you can you can manage. Not fluent, but I can pull it off. Yeah, that yeah. that sounds great. Which uh, I, I feel like doesn't really change much for you, but it's just a nice thing to not feel cut off from that wealth of knowledge. Yeah, and then for sleep wise, I think literally he would sleep beside or leaning against Maka, like just keep track of the team. They, um, they actually have cleared out like, like they, they haven't moved their stuff out, but they've given you kind of an alcove. Um, you can see there is kind of, um, you think about like sort of standard dome habitats. It's got like a little offshoot. That's sort of some bunks and things. There's like a few little, um, uh, alcoves. Uh, and they've, they've just given you the three of you one. They figured you probably wouldn't want, they've given one to Sylvia and the stars. They've given one to you. Um, and uh, some of the stars are just going to stay up all night and work because there's a lot to do around here and a lot to think about. But generally speaking, um, you've all got like the three of you can very safely do it. Much like Doc Malvern's clinic, you get the sense that even though they don't have visitors very often, these are legitimately like fairly welcoming people who understand that like you're staying in a strange place and you may want to like post a watch and they're not like, hey, come on, trust. They're like, no, like we get that. <laughs> Who the fuck are we? Like, it's fine. <laughs> Um, so, uh, yeah, they, they let you kind of just tuck in. Uh, and what's nice for you, Duncan, is you've got a wall at your back, but it opens up, like, it's not a closed room. It's literally Mm -hmm. just like a little alcove. So you've got full view of the space and the three of you can, can rest, rest easy 
there. Also knowing that like Sylvia and, and like her gnomes are and gnomes and goblins are kind of in the next alcove over. Yeah, I think Duncan would sleep just fine. He would not be pushing for posting a watch here. Frankly, this would be the least coordinated, worst setup assassination in the history of assassinations because everyone here we have only found due to luck. And they, if they wanted to kill us, they had so many better opportunities yeah. than waiting until we sleep. Also, they're not like walking around with weapons. Like the, the no. guards have weapons, but this doesn't, yeah, you don't get a, a taste of like... There's no bad vibes here. No, no. Good vibes. Good vibes only. Um, great. All right. So um, you tuck in. Uh, Maka, was there anything else you wanted to do? Uh, no. Great. And um, Ita, you consider asking, do you want to ask Maka and Duncan why no one is asking about the observatory, or are you just going to hold your peace? Um, yeah, it, yeah. I think, yeah, if... if um I think if it's if it's safe to do so with the being yeah, overheard, I mean, there, then then it's a big she enough would. space. There, there's enough like you know low level chatter going on. Also, mm-hmm. like people are clearly working in shifts, so like people are sleeping while also people are talking. Yeah. The alcoves are remarkably quiet, uh, all things considered. There's the nice like it's chaotic outside, but it's actually very soothing to just mm-hmm. hear the the wind whipping around this um, this sort of habitat. Um, so yeah, yeah, you can you can absolutely ask them if you so desire. Uh, I think I will. Um, uh, Duncan, Maka, I, these these people are very friendly. Um, clearly, uh, they have much technology, but I do not understand. No one, no one has mentioned the observatory. Have did you hear any talk of it? Not where I was, and I can guess a number of reasons, but what I would say is if they aren't discussing it, we should continue to not discuss it. Clearly there's some tension or some interest surrounding it, and there are a number of reasons that could be. If you think through logically, because I know you're a fan of logic, maybe the dwarves don't know about it. Seems unlikely with their level of technology, but it's possible. Maybe they don't know if we know about it, and they don't want us to go there, so they're not going to teach us about it. And if we're going to the observatory and trying to engage with or affect the storms, logically that would affect the power collection here, which would affect their mission. So we don't want to bring up that that is our purpose because they could have a negative reaction there. We're still very early in these diplomatic talks. So I'm allowing the scientist to handle the conversation with the scientist because I don't know how to have that talk. Our only goal is to get that done to save the world, Jassy, Orville, and possibly everyone from the Sinkai and other threats. I understand. It's an impressive thought, and it's doubly impressive that you have not brought this up with any of them. I I did consider it, and then and then it was almost as if I heard your reaction in my head before I said anything. I'm honored, I think, by that. We are learning from each other. And both ways, I'm thinking more logically about things than I have before. Usually I would trust my, for lack of a better term, bodyguard gut, or my dawn breaker instincts, but I'm trying to think further ahead. I think I'm getting that from you. Well then, we should sleep. Unless you have anything to add about this lack of observatory discussion, Maka. I thought you were speaking to someone about it. (laughs) Has no one mentioned the observatory? Correct. That's kind of what we were just talking about. It it has been Mm. conspicuously absent in conversation. And our general... Go and confront them on this. Uh, no, 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 no. That what we what we just said was that we were going to let this one kind of let it let it flow. We don't need to engage with this. We don't need to ask about that. If they charge our key, we theoretically have what we need. We can let it ride, mm. for lack of a better term. These machines confound me. I do not understand their place in the world. Hmm. The sooner we get to the observatory and put this behind us, the better. 
then let's not have a conversation with everyone about the observatory. That will mean we have to stay here longer. Hmm. Just show. Good. Ish. And Maka will like close his eyes again. He was like sleeping through your conversation. <laughs> <laughs> Great. So um, with that, um, you, you kind of bundle up uh, together in like reasonable comfort um, and uh, and drift off uh, to it. And actually, I was going to say an uneasy sleep because I'm just so used to saying that at the end of episodes. <laughs> an easy sleep. Um, <laughs> it's uh, you're warm, you're dry, and you've managed to observe the wisdom of silence. Uh, all of these are pretty big wins. Um, and uh, the three of you drift into sleep. Back at Doc Malvern's clinic, Gwendolyn, uh, the doctor holds a, a brew uh, in front of him, um, a herbal remedy that he has poisoned uh, and has seemingly asked you what he should do, having expressed that he is in extraordinary pain and has passed on his knowledge. However, he does have knowledge that would benefit you and uh, the Alliance of Equals. So he has asked what he should do with this mug. Well, I mean, look, I mean, obviously, I don't want you to suffer. But at the same time, I it's very easy to say that things are for the greater good when you're not confronted with the people who are going to suffer. But clearly, after, uh, look, look, this is just a lot right now, okay? So I'm just thinking now that like, I would like everyone to benefit, even if they're not like in support of the Alliance. This is, this is the thing, like, making the world better for everyone regardless of like their political leanings i mean unless of course they want to destroy the world in which case that's like a no and like i think that should that's obviously we shouldn't stand for that all i'm saying is that like i i want it to be better for everyone including you so i'm a bit torn because i'd like you to do what's best for you but I also think that like people who are like-minded could also really benefit from the things that you could share with me. So I, I can't, I mean, I can't answer that for you. All I can say is like, I mean, what I think would be good for the world, but like, obviously not going to make you suffer for it. So it's he a like raises bit of a, tricky... a hand and he says, yes, a tricky question. It is. Yes. Hmm. This is this one's point. The greater good would be served, yes, by this one's knowledge, absolutely. This one would suffer for imparting that knowledge terribly. Hmm? Right. You are putting together this alliance, this coalition, this group. Hmm? You are making these decisions all the time. So, unfortunately, hmm? This one requires you to decide, should I, and you can tell he has a real hard time saying I, but he does it. And he says, should I drink this or not? No, I mean, yes. I mean, I don't, I don't want anyone to like suffer ever, but I also want to know like how to help people who like don't want anything to do with the Alliance. And what if they're suffering and like they could be helped even if they don't want to be part of the alliance but i don't want to hurt them in the process it's i'm not quite sure princess it is a simple question with a simple answer should this one drink a mug of tea it's your choice no <laughs> if you are building this and forcing it upon the world it is in fact yours so should this one drink the I'm tea not or not forcing no? anything you have created an alliance and are adding nations to it that you do not fully grasp. You are only now coming to me, an old bird doctor in the middle of a wasteland, to ask if you are perhaps doing the right thing or not for a thing you have already begun to do. Hmm? So the answer is simple. Should I drink the tea? 
I think you're making the bigger situation all about you, and it's not. They have you're... nothing to do with each other. I'm not I... making the decision for you to, like, kill yourself. Since this one has asked what this one should do about this one's pain, you have talked about yourself quite a bit, hmm? About what you are worried about, about you your alliance. You demanding that I make the decision. You're literally making this about me. I'm asking you to advise me. You are the one making decisions for all of us now. What do I do? I'm hmm? not making decisions. That's the point, is that people get together and make decisions together. Uh, and he drinks the tea. Oh, oh fuck! <laughs> this episode of Curse Code and Crowd Sound was mixed and edited by Laura Hamstra, and the campaign was created by Tom McGee. Our original theme music was composed by Landon Noblock, and Curse Code and Crowd's logo was created by the brilliant Decapitated Markers. If you want to follow our players or our DM on Twitter, you can reach out to Laura at EL Hamstring, Ryan at the Ryan LeBlanc, Tyler at Tyler underscore Hewitt, Tom McGee at McGeeTD, or you can message our whole company at Dum Dum Dice. So please join us again for more Curse Code and Crown! Dum Dums and Dice has to give a special thank you to the supreme beings of our Patreon at this time. Christian Manicola, The Half-Blind Prophet, Christopher Little, Sue One, George Dolby, One True Artistry, Orion Birchfield, Lord Abradovic, Noel Lewis, Scott Garland, Anthony Griffin, Benjamin V, Gavin and Abby McDonald, Cade Peters, Richard Cranium, Anna Zed, Eric Williams, Logan, Fire on Friendly, Acrix, Cameron Ezel, Grandma Likes D&D, Alan, Austin Nut Powers Fry, Stabby Stranger, and Jill and Noel LaPlante. If you want your name to be added to this list, you can join our Patreon too at patreon.com slash dumdumdice. Thanks to them, and a little bit of thanks to you. The Fable and Folly Network, where fiction producers flourish.